Hey, welcome to the Mostly Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Temple Tonelli, and I'm joined this week by Mike Munzenreiter, Patrick Kagongo, and Jason from Frozen and Carbonite for our Extra Fat Olympics special. The takes have been flying for two weeks now. Patrick, I know you've been saving some for the pod, so what did you think of skateboarding's big debut? Street skating is going to be just fine. Women's skating is about to have an explosion. And with regards to men's contest skating, I'm horrified. I think that there's going to be a new element of hyper-competitiveness that's going to make Nigel Houston seem humble. Guys, there's so much to unpack from these last couple of weeks watching the Olympics. What are some of y'all's first impressions? I'm, I'm still processing it, but like those are my big... Those are the first things that come to mind for me. Yeah, first, first impressions. Well, overall, I think like the women's competitions were way more interesting than the men's just because like, and Alexis said this in some interview, like, cause now there's like, according to Hoyle, like prodigies, you know what I mean? Like there's guy Mariano's there's Henry Sanchez's coming up and they're like fucking shit up. They're completely, you know, destroying whatever paradigm there was before. Like, like the girl that won the gold from Japan uh, I hope I'm pronouncing her name right. Raisa, you know what I mean? Scott Brown, they're, you know what I mean? Completely on a prodigy type level. And yep. uh, I thought that was probably the most interesting thing. And if if I, ne- if I never see uh, a cavalarial to backside lip slide again, as long as I live, I'll, um, I'll be okay with that. Yeah. I think I'm I'll, good as far guys- as that trick goes. The guys had no personality. I'm sorry. Um, for the women's, the outfits were better. The vibes were better. It seemed oh, yeah. like there was like a real sense of camaraderie. The dudes, it was, uh, these are guys that you nodded at the park. <laughs> no offense, but nobody I'd hang out with. I, I think there was more camaraderie than maybe you'd see on the sidelines of other Olympic sports. But I, I think that with the women's event, like I think that they all kind of knew that they were on the cusp of something big and like with with the men it just was kind of like another contest although you know kind of a big deal contest but it it just didn't feel as special for the men and i feel like the skating wasn't that special either mike what what were you thinking watching all this i I think just to build off what you guys were saying um regarding the women and frankly like girls because it was 12 and 13 year olds making the most noise like i was trying to contextualize it because i was out staying with my uncle and we caught a little bit of the contest and I just don't think you, you know, five years ago, well, five years ago, Raisa and like a lot of the Japanese, again, girls, like they were seven and eight years old. It, that level of skating just didn't exist in a lot of ways. And so it was really interesting to see people that I was both aware of and unaware of on the women's side doing a lot of dope shit. Like, you know, I, I, I've been, I've been searching and searching as, as, as we prepped, but there was the Japanese girl who had the frontside crook on lock, you know, there were backside nose grinds in the bowl, you know, it was just super interesting to see what these young skaters are doing and they're doing hard stuff. Yeah. It was, um, uh, Momiji Nishia, uh, again, apologies you. for, apologies for any butchering of last names here. We're doing our best, but that was incredible. We're watching part of the men's with my parents who were in town and we were all over at my in-laws place out in the valley and it was really really awesome because my father-in-law used to skate when he was a kid by which i mean wouldn't you know go 
a wooden board with no grip and metal wheels or clay wheels. And so it was really amazing to see it in that context. And obviously my parents grew up with me watching skate videos all the time. So they were obviously very impressed. Actually, no, excuse me, I take that back. We watched the women's together because uh, my parents really liked Alexis Sablon. She's like, yeah, she stayed in school. Architect from MIT? See, you stay in school, you can also skateboard. She look at her, she is serious. But shouts to Alexis. I think Alexis, I really mean it when I say that she was the people's champ. There was something about her that was just so awesome. It did not matter that she did not podium. She was just amazing. She, her energy, her ethos screamed skateboarding. And that photo of her just flipping the bird at the camera while sitting with her teammates. I absolutely love that. That is a, that is, that is a t-shirt waiting to happen. I really mm -hmm. hope that all timers is selling out of Alexis Sablon boards. I hope that I hope that her future decks, as long as she's pro, continue to do numbers just based off of her participation in the Olympics. Yeah, How do y'all yeah. feel about that? That because I think one thing that we probably could discuss is like, should there be like height, weight, age classes in skating? Because there was something kind of jarring. You know, Alexis is thirty four. Everyone on the podium was under seventeen. Oh wait, no, excuse me. Uh, winner for Japan was uh, is nineteen, but everybody else was a teenager. And only stands to get better. I think that just speaks to where women's skating is right now. I think it's just like so ascendant, you know, like this is only the beginning and all these girls are only going to get better and the level is only going to get better. So it's just kind of in a weird phase right now where like these young kids are the best because they're the first generation who's had some some girls to look up to and also had actual support from the industry so i think that with continued support and continued like mentorship these girls are going to be ripping long into the future and then the next generation is going to be super ripping as well and then we're going to see kind of like a a leveling of the age age range you know because right now with the women's there's people like alexis who've just like been in it for a long time and kind of like been in it for a long time against all odds so, like, she's competing against these other girls who have had all the support for their entire careers. And I, I think that as people like Alexis kind of age out, it's just going to be all, you know, people who are skating at the highest level who've always been supported. And that allows them to skate at a high level. Yeah, a couple things. things. Uh, first, about the age thing. I think a good sport to kind of compare it to is tennis when, you know, both, you know, Males and females come out, come out hot. They're like 13 to 15 or whatever when they're on the scene. And there, there's still a few people, 35 to 40, kind of like still doing it, you know, like Federer these days or John McEnroe probably went until he was like 35, you know, 35, 40 ish, you know, that type of shit. But it's interesting as fuck because, you know, no one knows what's going to happen with all these you know, prodigies or whatever, like, yeah, right now they're like little contest kids or whatever, but they might, you know, get deeper into the culture and like start making dope video parts and shit and like get different mentors, mentors and whatnot. So that element, like the overall impact on the culture is, you know, pretty fucking interesting uh, moving forward. I'm going to just kind of, yeah, echo what you guys just said, like the 12 to 34 or what? 18 to 46 when it was like the men in the in the skate park and the bowl like that just actually reflects the scene at the skate park or even just out street skating you know 
saw some 13 year olds downtown Minneapolis a couple weekends back. And it was me and my 45 year old buddy, you know, and you can all head nod different, different levels, of course, different, different stages of the game. But I think it's, it's really cool that it actually reflects reality in, in, in that respect. And then I think even um, just thinking of the, the progression and like where these young skaters are at, I know that I went down the Instagram rabbits hole and, you know, what, what they were doing in that contest was just, you know, tip of the iceberg type stuff. I think it was Momiji got on her Instagram page and it's just so much more, you know, Nolly and switch some of, some of the go-to tricks for sure. Big spin front board, all that. But again, they were just scratching the surface on the contest runs. And yeah, I, I think it's worth checking these people out on Instagram because they were doing stuff that, that, that was impressive and as surprising as the stuff that they were putting down in the contest. Absolutely. And that's something interesting to think about here too, is how much of skating contests like the Olympics is going to start to become more like sports. And I say sports in air quotes. And I think we got to discuss heavy hitters like Nigel Houston, not making podium and kind of underachieving in a way because Nigel was going for an incredibly difficult trick and failed to get on the board. Um, and that's fascinating because, you know, you think about this, for example, in soccer, if you've got a decent lead, you run a decent lead and you're in the second half, you try to run down the clock after a certain point. Basketball, do not try to go drain threes, go for the layups, go for the two points. Uh, we could, you know, make the same analysis in any other sport. And what was fascinating was watching some of these skaters fail to internalize like a, you know, hyper competitive, but failing to internalize like a, a key component to winning, which is knowing when to dial it back and when to know when to dial it up. You saw you saw in the men's park final, you saw dudes who decided, OK, I'm going to ratchet things up gradually. I'm going to start with it like when they made it to the finals, they decided I'm going to ratchet things up gradually. But I mean, what did you all think about that? What do you think about um, some of the, you know, like the way that the announcers and a lot of, and a, of that dreadful New York Times hagiography, they made it seem like Nigel was the golden boy. And, you know, by, you know, the end of it, it was just like, wow, this really happened. Like, I thought that he was supposed to be that dude. And I can't stand his skating. Well, you know what? In sports, just like any other endeavor, there's, there's always someone coming up trying to take your spot. You know what I mean? Not like skating is, is like that, but you know, it happened with like Michael Jordan or whatever, or with like LeBron, you can see like new young guns coming up. There's always going to be some young gun coming up, trying to take your spot, you know? And uh, maybe that's happening. I am a fan of Nigel skating. I think he's fucking sick, but yeah, he, he just got fixated on what the hell was he trying? Oh, cavalarial kickflip to backside lip slide, like on like a, Outrail, whatever, whatever the fuck you call it, like gap route, which is crazy. I don't, I don't know, but a lot of these people have coaches, and like, and they would show them, like, confirm where their coach. What is up with that? Like, what do the coaches do or say? You know what I mean? Listen, what I need you to do is focus. Okay, <laughs> remember what we practice. Remember what we practice. Like, okay, it's go time. All right. Yeah, that that's wild to me, and I started thinking, like, oh, who are these coaches? What are their qualifications for being a skateboard? <laughs> like, is that is that something that I could do? Like, I know, I know about skating. I'm not really good at it, but I can like think about it and shit. You know, maybe I could be a Olympic skateboarding coach. But <laughs> that, <laughs> do they have him skate like Henry Sanchez and Tim and Henry. 
<laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'd be like, watch, watch Tim and Henry every night for a week. <laughs> uh, fuck, fuck week, three months. Just do every, just do everything in there. But I, but, I uh, think the coach's job is to tell the skater like, hey, we need, we need you to do something decent to get a, get a score on the board, and then ratchet it up. And like, you should know your your skaters' abilities and their bag of tricks, and you can say like do this trick and then like you know somebody should have told Nigel like hey man the cab flip back lip ain't happening you know go for like you got you know fuck I don't I don't know Nigel's tricks like that but like I'm sure the coach could have said you got trick x and Nigel could have executed that and you know maybe would have podiumed Nigel you gotta dial it back you've got to dial it back okay the focus buddy the lack of strategy though I think like we're really well reflects skateboarding in reality in that i forget where i saw it but i think it was one of the women in the bowl contest who's missing i hope i'm not making all this shit up but <laughs> she was she was missing her kickflip indie and it got to the point that you know she'd missed it in two runs in a row and you know had she just done an easier run she could have done better overall but she went after the kickflip indie why because you want to land the fucking trick and so I, I feel like, you know, maybe Nyjah's skater mentality got the better of him in terms of strategy. You know, it's, it's I've tried this trick four times. I'm going to do it this time because, like, why do we skate if not for the hope that we're going to do it next try? And um, I don't know. I, I, I think it's a good reflection of actual skateboarding and how, you know, we obsess over the single trick, you know, to our detriment sometimes. Oh yeah. That, that definitely cost him. It cost him the hardware and it was sky Brown. You're thinking of, and I gasped when she landed that, that was pretty amazing to watch. And I'm pretty ambivalent. I mean, that is not my typical type of skateboarding, but it was when she landed that and sees the bronze position. Yeah. Oh my God. What, uh, <laughs> what trick are we referring to here? Kickflip Indy in the bowl. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember yeah. that. She tried it a couple of times and she, yeah, I remember. So, yeah, it was not going to her hands and it was maybe 30 seconds into a run. So she yeah. also, also, Sky Brown skates with the power of, uh, it was like watching, you know, um, I'm seeing a little bit of Steve Caballero in there. Yeah. Maybe it's just me, but um, her, like the way that she got air, oh, excuse me, amplitude. <laughs> yeah, I, I still don't know what amplitude is. Uh, they we, said it, I guess I could have looked it up. Man, we need we've to been chafing that. at amplitude since like 1995 with the X game. <laughs> Nobody knows, still knows what it means. We we need to address like that commentary. And I have been watching a lot of sports the last few months: Euro Cup, NBA playoffs, NBA finals. Been watching a hell of a lot of baseball, and this was dog shit commentary. So, which commentary did you have? Because I think there's a there's a variety of experiences out there. I had, uh, it was two, it was, uh, I believe they're both English and they were still dreadful. Were they the guys that would say, lovely run, lovely run? Yeah. Lovely uh, run. Uh, absolutely wonderful. Uh, uh, shred that gnaw. They, uh, wait, they said something really, uh, really funny at one time. They were, I guess they were talking about Raisa and they were like, oh, she's skating like she's got helium in her bones. And then the other guy was like, Helium in the bones, ice in the veins. <laughs> like what? shit, yeah, dude. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I know, but it was just you know, uh, in any other sport, you're going to have respected commentators. But I guess maybe 
most skate announcers cannot tone it, you know, they can't dial it back for television. They can't drop the swear words, they can't drop the screaming, or, but like just the fact that tricks were being misnamed routinely. It's insulting. Like, this is supposed to be the highest of the high. This is on a global scale, and we can't, and, and broadcasting could not, you know, I guess it was NBC, who has rights for the US, couldn't bother to get people who understood. You would be cooked if you were doing a bunch of bad calls like this for basketball or for soccer. Like, they wouldn't even let you anywhere near the mic. Okay. Well, that's Zitzer. Zitzer's legit, right? He's been around forever. Friend of the pod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Been on the pod, yeah. He's... I, I was saying, I, I was seeing many complaints and there was such a myriad variety of announcing crews that I caught a lot of zitzer with then just a standard NBC play-by-play guy. Or would it be color? You know, what, how, how does that break down in skateboarding when, when you have the expert doing it? I, I, I think zitzer did a, thank, a great job at a thankless job in terms of God, did I hear Gary Rogers doing the X Games maybe just a week or two ago? Really? And they yeah. let him do that? Yeah. I mean, in all reality, it was idiotic. It was entertaining, but it was completely idiotic in terms of like, all right, this is some random person's first exposure to skateboarding and, and you got Gary doing it. I mean, I, I, I even think for the English guys, and maybe this is just uh, you know, the, the, the contest MC in me, sticking up for my brethren, but I, I do think it's a thankless job. A lot of tricks happening. You're going to get some wrong. I know that some of it was really egregious, but I was kind of entertained by the English guys when I, when I picked up uh, Templeton's feed the other night for the men's park contest. I think those dudes also kind of roasted Jaeger Eaton for looking really <laughs> uncomfortable when he skated Switch. So, <laughs> yeah. Yo, he said this- he looked boxy. This yeah. this this was in my notes. Uh, yeah, Jagger Eaton. He's he's kind of like a early '90s uh, Danny Way because like Danny Way in the early '90s, like he had a super good you know bag of tricks on street, but he had a kind of really stiff style. But it was kind of camouflaged by like the super baggy clothes. Like ja- like Jagger Eaton had he had no camouflage. Like he just had like <laughs> like bad style on like some switch shit. Yeah, just just like, like Ripper, but you know, still kind of that like early '90s Danny Way skating switch except, vibe. Except you can see the Supreme boxers on her. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Real quick, back to the men's park final. I, I gotta, yeah, I gotta keep real. I, w- I actually fell asleep during the prelims. Oh, those were really bad. <laughs> yeah, like I, <laughs> like I was kind of like you know, kind of like I was watching like a meaningless like August like Met game. You know what I mean? Sometimes I fall asleep during those, but like, but. Like Patrick said about ratcheting it up, like once the once homeboy landed the fucking kick flick McTwist, like the energy just changed. You know, it, it, I don't know if y'all have been in a like a heated bowl session or whatever. I've only I haven't been in like maybe like two or three, but uh, yeah. at least in the def, at least in the building, definitely not like participating. But like the energy just changed and it became like super heated, like which was sick. I thought for the men's park final. I think we have to, um, jumping back to an earlier discussion about, well, not discussion, um, an earlier mention of sharing access codes. I think it's really worth discussing how awful the experience was here in the US, uh, the viewing experience was, how difficult it was to view skateboarding or to view any other sport in the Olympics. And the fact that NBC split their coverage across multiple formats 
uh, Peacock, NBC Sports, and then linear broadcasting. The fact that it was just so difficult that there was a lot of confusion about time, that certain sports were on a delay, and because of the time difference, you'd know the results of certain competitions simply by opening up social media, which is OD frustrating if that's something that you're looking forward to watching. Um, for example, dedicated track fans like my in-laws hate that shit. I mean, how was y'all's experience and what do we think that an NBC needs to do better? Because um, I got a lot of opinions about this. I feel like the, the feeds are out there. You know, I stumbled across a link that was just the live feed with the British announcers and there were no commercials and it was just just the skate contest and, you know, you just had had kind of like a God's eye view of the park between the heats and it was nice, you know, and I don't know why NBC didn't just like have that on Peacock or whatever and you just like type in skateboarding and you just fucking get skateboarding beamed into your eyes for four hours. Like it seems easy, but like the feed is there, you know, like, and I found it like, you know, what, what, what are you guys doing? Is yeah. My, I, well, well, fir- well, first you had to uh, do like a rudimentary internet search to find the, the times and uh, the platform that the skating is on, whether it's like CNBC, uh, the USA Network, whatever. And then once you find that, sometimes they would like abruptly like, like, all right, now let's check out like canoeing. Like no disrespect to canoeing or whatever. Canoeing was sick. (laughs) Canoeing is something like, I feel like any one of us, if we started now and like trained super intense, we could be in the Olympics like in four years. It's like one of those fucking... Did you, did you see some of those Europeans though, man? That like Italian dude with the ill mustache. I'm really on the tangent. I don't yeah, know. yeah, they were, <laughs> they, <laughs> they, they the killed it. That's my point, I guess. They had, but look. but yeah, I mean, I I had Peacock, I'm you know because I have it for like the Premier League or whatever. But I don't think they broke it up too much. They did a little bit, but I think the the Peacock feed was uh pretty decent. Because I know NBC is trying to migrate premier league over to peacock yeah uh, and get rid of it from nbc sports and i know we're going very into uh super jock talk here (laughs) but that's frustrating that is frustrating for average viewers you shouldn't have to do a whole as a user as an end user you shouldn't have to do a whole bunch of legwork to be able to watch something that you're interested in and i think one of nbc's key issues here is that um honestly i don't think that they had anticipated they had anticipated the chaos of spreading out the games across multiple platforms because it's something that wasn't done before. Like if this was the UK, it was on BBC. It is what it is. That's who gets the license. And because NBC or excuse me, Comcast NBC Universal owns so many different properties, they could spread it out across CN, you know, CNBC, USA Network, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I don't think that makes for great viewership. I don't think it's it's I don't think it's great for the viewer. Um, and it's something that's going to have to be worked out because Paris 2024 is just around the corner and in what 2028 is going to be Los Angeles. So smarten up. Yeah, I really think it's a symptom of just the state of television right now, just where everything's so balkanized it is frustrating to watch a lot of stuff. But um, um, actually, then, uh, then here's another follow up question, uh, which is actually related to television uh, advertising. Which skate brands do y'all think walked away with the most juice after the Olympics? 
Shake John. Shake John. <laughs> chicken bone okay. now with stone. Chicken bone now with stone. I'm, I'm gonna go a uh, dissenting view and like with the average viewer, even like the shake junt even enter their 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 gray matter. I don't think it even. I mean, I'd think it was gibberish if I were just. Like, <laughs> what the fuck is on his board? Like, it's the biggest. Jimmy, have you heard you of Shaq Giant? You know. Oh, the. Uh... The silver, the women's silver medalist had like the yellow shake junk grip too. You can tell she was a big, uh, or she is a big Jamie Foy disciple oh, with, yeah. with, with all the frontside crooked grinding down rails and shit. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. That was sick. Oh, that was Nakayama. She got the, uh, the bronze, but yeah, I, I oh, actually, yeah, yeah. um, I, I, uh, the exception to the rules skating in the Olympics with shake junk grip <laughs> only place it's acceptable. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just like a little bit. Although Alexis with a kickflip, uh, from board, there was a slow-mo with the all-timers on there. I hope they're doing numbers this week. I mean, if there's a big winner, I, I, I would think it's April Skateboards with Raysa, who rides for them. Seems like a good pickup for Shane O'Neill and company. Oh, yeah. Yeah, is that a formalized thing? And also, what is the Monarch Project? Oh, I, I did some rudimentary internet research on this as well. It's like a company that I think uh, Letitia yeah. and Sky Brown kind of started. It's under some kind of like amorphous action sports brand or something that's kind of connected to Dwindle, but not really. So it's basically like a board brand with uh, them two. And I guess whoever else was riding those boards, like maybe uh, that Corey Juno guy and whoever else was riding them at the time. So that's, that's pretty much it as far as I could tell. Good timing. Launch a brand. Yeah, Totally. Absolutely. Um, I loved that it. This is so sappy, but I loved that video on uh, Raisa and Letitia's respective Instagrams of Raisa after she uh, went viral doing the heel flip down the three wearing the fairy costume and kind of sprung into the global consciousness. And it was her finally getting to meet Letitia Buffoni, her hero, and then being teammates on the Brazilian team. That was like, that was super heartwarming. I really, <laughs> I really liked that. Yeah, I, I started following all the Olympic street skaters on Instagram. And there was a post from either Leticia or Raisa where they were sitting together and Raisa was like, had her head on Leticia's shoulder, shoulder kind of like big sister, little sister. And it, it was heartwarming for sure. It, it's, it's good to remember just how young these people are, like. 12, 13 is legit little tiny children, you know? It's been a long time since we've been that age. And it's, you know, it's kind of dissonance when you see them front crooking very large handrail. I can't get over how sick that was for Nakayama. Everything Raisa did, um, they're still such little, little tiny children. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, like, when when Raisa did the, uh, I guess, the backside, lip side down, the uh, gap to rail, she did it like full, like Mike Carroll style, like with yes. the wrists and everything, like totally like textbook. Like, you know what I mean? That was wild. I almost thought she has like the almost Ethan Fowler, as distasteful as that dude might be nowadays. Um, the Ethan Fowler, like Ollie over the front board. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's a good yeah, one. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, just, just the way he, he, when Ethan Fowler did like, you know, backside lip slides or even back tails, like he stuck them down like like he meant it, like he was mad right. at the ledge or something, you know? Yeah, it, it's, you're right. That Your earlier point, uh, y'all's earlier point about how young 
especially on the women's side, how young everybody is. And that as skaters, we've seen, you know, the spark, you know, you knew the first time that you saw like a Bastion, a guy Mariano, um, a Sheckler, where you saw like a young kid in a skate video and they had control and they had power, even though they had little kid style, you knew that they're going to get their growth spurt and they're going to be incredible. Like, I guess what, what comes next from here? Because I'm thinking about the Nigers of the world. There must be some sort of existential crisis that's, that's, that might be gurgling to the surface because, you know, now it's all about going to be about Olympic hardware. And this is something I bought up uh, last week talking with a couple friends. You know, up until very recently, neither Lionel Messi nor Cristiano Ronaldo had international trophies. You know, Ronaldo won his with Portugal, beating France at the Euro Cup in 2016. And Messi finally got one for uh, Copa America with um, Argentina beating Brazil. And is it going to be one of those things where you can't even be considered in a GOAT conversation if you don't got Olympic hardware? It's like, if you didn't podium, what are you? And like, is that going to, I think that's going to create like a, a hyper competitiveness, particularly amongst the men and like all these like Woodward dads, like all these skate dads, it's going to be worse than, it's going to be as bad as other sports that they're going to be berating their kids. Just like, How the fuck did you not land that? We're not leaving until you get that back lip. I still think that like street skating video parts is, is king. You know, like it's so like, there's only three medals available every four years for street skaters or six, you know, three for men, three for women. So it's like so rare. You can't really expect all the top at skaters to, to get it. So I, I think that I don't think it's going to be that important. I think, especially for Nigel, because he didn't do well, he's going to have to go out into the street and, like, do some really incredible shit, which I'm sure, you know, he's already done some really incredible shit. But I think that he's probably going to seek redemption in the streets, which I'm here for. I, I think everybody who skated in the Olympics needs to film a street part, especially <laughs> uh, the ladies. Like, I want, I want that. I want covers. <laughs> I want video parts. <laughs> And like, I want to like, disappear into the ether like Guy Mariano. I was like, nope, <laughs> goodbye. Just, just on the on the idea of like you know the important the future importance of the Olympics. I mean, I wonder right now, you know, the relative availability of skateboard contests. Like, are there more now than there were ten years ago, twenty years ago? I have no idea how many contests you guys have skated in. You know, but like. I, I don't, is there going to be money to be made off having little local contests so that like kids can get in the farm league system? Who's going to organize those? How, how does that work? I, I, I guess the point I'm building towards is I, I, I actually agree with Templeton. I don't see a big shift away from it. Though I do also think that for that contest set, the podium parameters have been made. You know, now they know how Uto won a gold medal. We were talking at the session the other night. One of my buddies is like, everybody's learning Nolly Heli Pop no slides or Nolly Heli Nolly Heli Pop is redundant. Sorry. Now, now that's a no, that's a term I haven't heard in a long time. Hey, me and Tony Hawk were on the name <laughs> convention. Heli Pop board slide. You know, it's uh, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if people put that in their bag of tricks. Or you know, go no, well, board. yeah. See, speaking of Uto's bag of tricks, he used like some strategy he saved his signature trick the fucking uh nolly 180 switchback 50 transfer revert for the very end mm -hmm. you know he didn't pull that out until like uh 
the best trick time. So then everyone was like, oh, shit, there's a signature trick. It's over, you know? You think he's going to get Sodi? Uh, uh, there's a lot of factors that go into Sodi, as we all know. So, I mean, it would almost be anti-Thrasher to, you know, even consider gold medal. Yeah, but gold medal. That's the first, the first, the first skateboard, men's skateboarding gold medalist in the Olympics. As, as a business decision, it would make good sense to make Udo Sodi if he, you know, yeah. checks a couple more boxes. He also, but, he also put out a sick street part. He yeah, that part, was filming on the that part was crazy. He's probably sitting on an HD one. part. What was that, Mike? Oh, we were whelmed by that part. Yeah, I'm, I'm just talking shit about the VX. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. No, um, we can bury all those or put them on a rocket and send them into the sun. I but, guess uh, so. <laughs> Although, in, in retrospect, though, it was awesome watching him. He won on home turf. And I, I think, to be fair, I think that Thrasher interview that he did for his uh, when he had the cover was not particularly insightful or interesting, which was OD frustrating because the New York Times piece about Yuto's life and his background and his family uh, was much more probing, much more mm. interesting. You learned that, oh, he's, you know, son of a cab driver who works very, and continues to work very, very long hours and actually was afraid that he was going to miss his son skating in the Olympics, that his dad used to skate and that his brothers used to skate and that there's a lot of history behind the dude and it makes for it was a bit of a missed opportunity for thrasher to to paint a pretty awesome portrait of of somebody who would end up going on to win a gold medal whose byline uh, is on that thrasher interview um, is it brandon turner no, no it's not brandon sorry turner. i think <laughs> you know who Thanks interviewed him i mean this is where we're at the deficit where I'd have, I'd have to go downstairs and check in the uh, in the frozen and carbonite library. Well, Brandon Turner would have well, Brandon Turner also speaks fluent Japanese, which means that he would be able to be a bit more probing. I mean, then Thrasher would have to go and translate, but you know, if you want to get the best interview ever, you speak to somebody, you know, you speak to somebody in their native language. Um, I'm just being biased and maybe you just get, you know, someone with a reporting background as opposed to Mm -hmm. skater i mean i'm that that's more of a gripe with the recent years-long trend of just having a skater you know i'm picturing the homie interviewing another homie <laughs> with the phone app out and then they just like email the file in and you but, may uh, not have anything interesting but going back to what mike said about contests and shit that's interesting because i haven't even heard about a contest around here in the longest and you'd think like in japan there's probably some type of infrastructure where, like, all right, here's yeah. a contest for this scene, and they have the like regionals and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, I haven't heard or read about a contest in America in the long, in the longest. Maybe it's because of, uh, well, no, they have like do tour and all that shit. I guess I'm even looking at, you know, I skated a bunch of, they had a damn am stop here at Third Lair in Minneapolis. Yeah, they got and I'd damn skate in those. I, I, I worked at the park and I'd skate those. I even judged one. You know, after my contest days were over and all that, but there, it, I, I, I think that between the access and the ability to get to these things and the parents that'll support it, they're not inexpensive to get into. You know, contests that'll actually, quote unquote, further a career. Like uh, maybe I, I, I could see it just continuing as the way it's always been. That it's a that it's a different sphere of skateboarding, and that some skaters will exist in both spheres. Yeah, you know outside and in but oh it's it's 
I think it might exacerbate some existing um, class and racial differentials that exist in skating. And, you know, this was definitely noticeable. Like, there were not a lot of black faces, either in the group section, in, like, uh, in, the, in the preliminaries, nor in the finals. And there are probably a number of reasons as to why this is, but especially when it comes to having access and the ability to make it to be driven around to contests and be able to have that kind of um it, it, it's I, it's probably a, a wholly separate conversation that i haven't given too much thought to but do you all feel like that there's going like we're gonna, about to see that diff, that differential is going to start popping up that's really going to be like very similar to soccer in the u.s and every other part of the world it's like you pick up a ball you learn how to play if you're good enough you get pulled into an academy Whereas in the U.S., it's like you got to do the team tours. You got to be driving all over the West yeah. Coast, flying all over the country. And so, yeah, soccer in the U.S. weirdly enough tends to, uh, with some exceptions, tends to skew, you know, mostly white middle class and upper middle class. Yeah, like I mean, obviously, like there's no skating academy, you know, or even like I don't even know if like the pipeline from like shop sponsor to you know skating contest to damn it to whatever national championships exists anymore in this country it's probably more so in japan and in brazil probably i know in china because they mentioned it on the broadcast there yeah. is a skateboarding academy when they pulled one of the one of the national team skaters out of jujitsu and it's like you skate now <laughs> yeah 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 zhang like yeah they they said that she i guess lived at the skating academy which is wild i mean i'd like to see what that's like it's kind of like almost something from the ussr Oscar, <laughs> like, Oscar Rosenberg is the the Malmo skate school. Oh yeah, yeah that graduate, skate school. Oh, know? I love this. Yeah, I think what, I think Jager uh, comes from a skate school too in Arizona. I the, think there's the Neil Born Institute. Are are they hiring? I don't know. <laughs> are they hiring? Actually, the better question is: Do they actually pay? Because <laughs> yeah. is there going to be like a big finesse that's out there? You know, you go to wealthy parents, like say here in LA, you like go up to the valley, it's like, hey, teach your kid how to skate. skate <laughs> and you just post uh, up yeah. and watch old 101 videos. Yeah. I mean, also, I just <laughs> remembered there's a skate school here at um, what used to be Wendell's up on Mount Hood. It's like a skateboard and snowboard uh, summer camp. But I think they're doing a school now. I'll link it in the yeah. show notes. I did, I did so many skateboard camps, again, working at Third Layer. Like, we'd do them at the park and then at the, the Twin Cities area, like, public skate parks. But at Third Layer itself, you know, we'd have weeks where we'd have 60 kids, like, eight, nine instructors. And I'd usually take the little, little tiny kids. So I'd have, you know, five, six, seven, eight-year-olds and teach them how to drop in. But, like, that's always, there, there's always been a market out there for that. And this was the mid two thousands when that was going down. I, I I could see that really blowing up just in terms of, all right, this pastime is legitimized, and so oh here I can I can get little Johnny in on in on a week, and I need some uh, daycare nine to five or whatever. Perfect. Yeah, yeah I, like out of all the sports though, skateboarding is probably the worst to go do like the overbearing parent like i hope my kid goes pro road you know oh no Probably the least chance of making a decent living yeah absolutely I, I mean <laughs> but does it does it work to do it soviet or east german basically like eastern Bloc style to put together a skateboard academy it's like y'all gonna skate and that's all you're gonna do can you make a great skate out of somebody who's forced to skate i mean i hated sports High school teams were. I started swimming again um, at the local pool, 
And at my peak, I was doing like four days a week uh, pre-pandemic. And now I'm back to two. And I was thinking about it. I was like, this is so much fun. And I enjoy this so much as a proper adult. Why didn't I like this when I was a teenager? And then I remembered. It was the competition. It was like having to show up. It was having to perform. I was like, with skating, I could just hang out with a bunch of other degenerates. And maybe some shit would go down. Maybe there'd be some graffiti. Yeah. Like you could cool out and you could skate as much or as little as you wanted to. And that was like part of the fun the idea of like having to compete with skate like it yeah, sucks it's weird it's like kind of like it's kind of antithetical to what skateboarding is like the uh whatever the kgb comes to your house and they're like all right you're going t- i'm not going to attempt a russian accent but they're like all right you're going to the skateboarding <laughs> academy now see you in 10 years <laughs> <laughs> or, Spet- like, or spetsnaz or whatever you know <laughs> like I, I i i can't imagine it's hard to wrap my head around because yeah, it's just, you want, just fucking bizarre. Do these also like do these kids like can these like I'm not judging anybody who can't slap because I just learned how to slap you recently. A lot of people did. But like can they have fun on a curb? Can they pull up to the spot? Are they gonna be showboating? Or are they gonna be completely flustered by a bunch of kids hanging out, socializing, posting up, talking shop at the skate shop or, you know, at some curb. At, yeah. at some- it, it's like that uh that one tweet that was in that one uh, kind of like epic thread with like a bunch of, I guess, civilians commenting on the skating. It was like some dude said something like, I feel like I'm just watching a bunch of degenerate kids hanging out downtown. Yeah. And it's like, yes, that's that's what it is. Yep. You know, yep. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, next you time got you, it. Next time you get busted skating and the security guy's like, hey, 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 what kind of patriot are you? This is Olympic skateboarding. Yeah, now. we're training for the Olympics. Uh, uh, you don't love yeah. America? You don't see the bald eagle? <laughs> but, uh, but, oh, back to, I guess you mentioned Oski before. What happened to that dude, man? He was like the people's favorite coming in. Contest, he, uh, bro. <laughs> I, he'd actually, I think he'd actually posted, you know, not, not to like, yeah, I'm not calling him out. He'd posted. He was nervous. And I, think, man. I, I think the nerves showed and, you know, he's also, this is, this is one of the, the one of the things that makes skating so interesting and sort of immune to Olympic gold medals and the such like was Oscar Rosenberg really going to win that contest compared to the Australian dude who did a kickflip body burial 540 and then like a bunch of other shit in his run like no Oski had no chance of maybe even getting a medal you know if everybody skated their best but it doesn't mean that he's actually in terms of our experience of skating and watching on Instagram, watching video parts and him doing all you backside nose blunt slides on insane shit. Like it's that disconnect between being able to perform extremely difficult tricks at a high level and doing cool shit to, to really distill it. You know, I, I think a lot of our favorite skaters and a lot of, a lot of people's favorite skaters have no chance at winning a gold medal in the Olympics ever but they're still maybe better than some of these people that did. Absolutely. Which then, Templeton, I got a hard-hitting question for you. All right. Let's, let's say Olympic skateboarding was a thing in 1997. Who from back in the day do you think could make it? And let's assume that they are not testing for the weed because, like, let's, all, that's another, let's keep it funky. The fact that uh, the Olympics um, is very anti-marijuana meant that there was a lot of very good skateboarders who did not make it to Tokyo, because I don't know, America could have used Kevin Bradley at least, just like chilling in the uh, the Olympic van. <laughs> Somebody should have brought him on as their coach. Yeah, 
Oh, the, you would have seen you would have seen Team USA going gold, silver, bronze. Kevin Bradley was in the room. Yeah, we could have swept all the hardware with Kevin Bradley. I'm 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 saying Kevin Bradley would not be a good coach. <laughs> like, man, you just got to hit that. <laughs> uh, but who who from back in the day? I mean, Cardiel, Wade Spayer, Chris um, Sen. Yeah, Chris Sen. Dudes like that. I don't know. I mean, it's not like this is not my genre of uh, of skating, you know. So. What about um like Taz Pappas, Andy McDonald? Yeah, I mean Andy, Andy McDonald, McDonald would yeah. be like the poster boy for sure. Yeah, it would be cool to see uh Taz Pappas, uh Tony Hawk uh duel. Olympic skating? Oh as it were. Cause like it was awesome seeing them competing at vert contests because like Taz Pappas, his thing was that he ratcheted up the like, the sense of competition. He was an intense dude. And it was oh, yeah. like it like I think Tony Hawk, you know, he reacted to that. You know, he, you know, he's a competitive dude. He's been skating, you know, a competitive skater since he was a teenager, a young teenager. And imagine seeing that, like, and especially like that 90s, like, you know, like, like skating was like super bro. Like skating was like borderline baseball back then. Well, um, at least like, bird shit for sure. Yeah, definitely. Like, like big, um, big, 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 like a uh, home run derby energy from vert skating back then. And it was like, I think that was what made it kind of fun and it made for great television, but like, a, you know, like you'd see the Marseille competition in the Europe videos or the Munster competition. Like, imagine if you had like those, like the Wade Spares oh. or. Oh, ima- imagine like, imagine like Bastion in his prime. Oh, in the Olympics, bro. I think he still, I think he still could have made it. Like the French team was good, but like Bastion, like on a, like a chill day is still holding it down in his mid thirties. Like him, like, when he first came on the scene, they would have crushed it. I, I think we're kind of we're, we're touching on something that was really evident to me when I watched, like, weed testing or not. And I, I think it's more representative, in, obviously, in other Olympic sports. Like, the, this wasn't an offering of the world's best skaters by, like, any means. All due respect to Hymana Reynolds, number one ranked U.S. skater in the world, or maybe even number one ranked. Like, that dude's good, but he's not that good you can tell like watch his instagram he's he did well in the contest it's it's a weird disconnect yeah i think contests are just not a good representation of skating because it's like you got to do tricks that you can do almost every try you know like if i if i filmed the video part with only tricks that i could do on command it would be really fucking boring like even more (laughs) boring than like my video part at me me doing my best so that's just like what contest skating is, you know, it's like a watered down version of the best skateboarding. Yeah, but like in the 90s, one thing that you got to see in those European contests especially was you had skaters who were partying and sometimes you got some amazing surprises in those competitions. Like, wasn't it, there was like one year like Ed Templeton did really well in like a bunch of European competitions. Like, Yeah, he, did, he, he always did well in those, like Jason Lee, Ethan yeah. Fowler won one time. You know, Ronnie Krieger, like, it's like, it's almost like, um, it's interesting, like, you know, we, we lived through a completely different uh, world of contest skating, and it would have been interesting to see how some of those skaters would have stacked up in the Olympics. But, you know, when you look at other sports, like, you, like y'all said, like with, uh, with track, when you're looking at, you know, someone who is doing the relay, 400 meter relay, you're watching like the best of the best with a standardized competition protocol with 
a deep history and statistics that are set to be. And in skating, we're making this up as we go along. And like skating is, you know, there's always been a history of competitions and a lot of our favorite pros, you know, we're of a generation that watched a lot of skaters that turned pro based off of contest, contest placements. You know, we're, we're watching this be made up in, in real time. And what's kind of frustrating is like, there's not a lot of transparency into the scoring, the contests, especially with COVID, the contest, uh, the contest window seemed really haphazard. Like, it's weird that I can tell you exactly how a team can uh, play the numbers and make their way into Euro Cup or Champions League in soccer. But skateboarding, which I actually do, I'm like, dog, I don't even know how any of these people place. Like, yeah, there's competitions you have to place in a certain number of them, but I don't know what that calendar looks like. And that's frustrating. Yeah, I just think contest is just not a big part of skateboarding anymore, you know, and like the announcers were talking about like world rankings and shit like that. And I was just like, huh? Like what, how do I see these rankings? What are these rankings? What are like, these why rankings? are these rankings? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why are these rankings? Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's difficult to like, you know, they, they were really starting something from a full stop and trying to get it going as something with precedence. And so I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm kind of taking the, number one in the world, number three in the world. Oh, he won the world championships in 2019. And we're like, what, what were those? I'll take that with a grain of salt and just be like, all right, they're, they're, they're trying to contextualize something that hasn't been contextualized yet. But yeah, I just, we chafe at like this type of contest. And um, I do know again, like one damn am judging where I think I was with, uh, what's his name? Jason Rothmeyer was there. I, I forget other people on the bench. Rothmeyer does a lot of like he probably does the do tour he does a lot of different shit it is hyper subjective in that you're not going to judge every contest the same you know it is all dependent on kind of the bar set by the skaters that day and so like I know watching the contest you'd get into the thick of things late in the late in the run of the contest and those scores would take a long time to come out I can tell you for sure that those judges are going well was it better than you know was it better than juno's run or you know where does this australian kids rank against this other dudes you know pedro barros you know you're, you're doing a lot of math real time it's it's not subjective just in that oh that that one was a nine i'll stick by it you know they are comparing they are looking at the other runs and saying was this better than that and that gets hyper subjective real quick I guess my other point is we'd all like to see a high ollie contest and that might make for better television than what we saw sometimes and what about uh with regards to you know some of the the peanut gallery out there like the mayor of manchester england uh andy burnham basically saying i don't see how complicated this is and his own constituents <laughs> jumping in the mentions is being like you have no idea what you're talking about and on top of that the manchester city council is trying to ban skateboarding or is already banned skateboarding sit down like that is kind of that is kind of frustrating um, what was that what was that like on twitter or something yeah he like he just posted like i don't seem to understand and he's like a pretty interesting <laughs> like old school i mean he's young but he's like an old school north of england socialist labor uh labor politician and like it seems like he should be a pretty interesting person but like the fact that he's so clueless about skateboarding and that he has this kind of like he decides to fire off this take just seemed was like not a great way to get in with the uh, the young people my guy especially because manchester has a pretty cool skateboarding scene at least from what i've seen from from instagram yeah it used to 
I think I've seen one spot there. It's kind of almost like an EMB type setup with like some black marble or something. But I think it was a, uh, I think it was Skate Stop recently. Uh, anyway, yeah, like like Mike was saying, there's a lot of subjectivity. But I think we can ob- objectively say, as an objective fact, that even though he didn't uh, place or do very well, Oski had the best pants with the jorts. True. Yep. And. Uh, those- and I think Margie on the women's side, Margie had the best pants with those orange cargo pants. Uh, best fit, Alexis, with the gold chains. Gold yeah, chains yeah, that's it. yeah, that fit was dope. Gold chains were dope. That yeah. was hard body. That was like, I, I feel like she could have rocked that look just like on a random, like a, like a random weekend, something like that. Just like come through if she was at a party or something and be like, wow, she's really cool. Um, yeah, she had some U.S. Open slash U.S. skateboarding vibes that were dope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, it was the baggy jersey and the and the chains (laughs) i was like i was like that's so ill although like uh, the white all white outfits worked like i think zion was rocking all white the french team um french team looked like even though they didn't you know score so hot uh, who's the dude who writes for pizza oh vincent miu yeah he looked cool man he looked cool like and also like um is it charlotte him who's or excuse me doctor charlotte him doctor of uh of neuroscience who was in women's street like that was ill too that was something i really liked about the women's competition that there were some there were some real characters not just oh i skate bro and like monster energy all day every day bro <laughs> yo uh real quick kakona hiraki uh japanese park skater black hat under black helmet white jumpsuit black shoes she yeah. was tops she's yeah. 12 and she had one of the top outfits yeah mm-hmm. people people like civilians that i talk to seem to be psyched on the the jumpsuits yeah, the boiler suits are ill like that's the deal is. like yeah. and i know they, they were they were i think they were in limited uh limited availability like i think a couple of skate shops in la had them but they need to make that a regular thing except like how do you go to i've never said how do you go to the bathroom in those <laughs> you strip naked man <laughs> Wait, this is this is this is ask our you know ask Ask the women you know. Ask trusted women how they go pee in their jumpers, and it's just fucking. You're getting buck, dude. Like, uh, but like a men's bathroom, like, dog. yeah. You just gotta have the whole fit sitting on the floor, like all Ugh. covered in. It's like you're, it's like you're seven again. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, I don't know how old kids go, you know, butt out. What about okay? Then what about like real talk? What about like feel good moments because. It's the Olympics. They were definitely some like kind of like tearjerker, just like, oh, you know what? Skateboarding is really swelled. Was there anything that kind of popped up for y'all that made you feel like, oh, this is really nice? Like, this is what it's all about. I saw a clip of it was the women's park skaters. They were all hanging out under the like shaded area. And uh, Bryce uh, Weinstein? Wetson? What's her Weinstein? Name? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, Bryce Wetson was playing the ukulele and everybody was singing along to um, John Denver, Denver. West Virginia, Take Me Home. That that was a pretty heartwarming moment. I liked when uh, it was like, uh, it was Misugu Okamoto was trying to hold on to third place after Sky Brown, excuse me, after Sky Brown landed the kickflip indie and fell on the last trick. And it just like, you could tell she was devastated. And it was like Poppy Olsen and... Bryce Wetstein, all of them, like, they all grabbed her, picked her up on their shoulders and carried her and were singing. And I was just like, that's, that's what skateboarding is about. It's not just like, I won the contest. Fuck all those guys at the bottom of the bowl. I'm, I'm number one. It was like, that was really, that was really, really sweet. And there was something about that was just like, okay, like, the Olympics is problematic. The IOC is trash. 
and they are an incredibly destructive international organization, mindlessly corrupt. But if we can get this kind of moment out of the Olympics, that's cool. Anyone else? I, I liked watching the finals for the women's park, and it was really um, Momoji Nishiaya. Ooh, sorry about my pronunciation. And Funanyakiyama, where they were like, I, would, I, I was watching and thinking they're, they're kind of two archetypes of skaters, even outside of the contest. Like, Momoji was just smiles and like, ah, shucks. And like, yeah, yeah, doing it again. And then I saw some of myself in Funa Nakayama, where it was like, I don't know if her muscles were feeling weird, but she was like kind of punching her thighs and really thinking hard and maybe talking to herself. Uh, I thought actually all the all the Japanese women in the street contest were rad kind of representations of various skaters we've all met over the years. So mm-hmm. I will say, and this is a quick tangent, like, and I've said it on here before, I think ever since I was a kid, seeing skating on TV was mostly cool. So I, I, this, this kind of just fell into that same category. It was cool to watch. Jason, was there anything that stuck out to you? Oh man, I think when just when Yuto was getting the gold medal and he had like the Japanese flag draped around him or whatever, and he was kind of like, you know, I won the first Olympic gold medal. Like he, of course, like he doesn't show a lot of emotion like while he's skating or whatever, but like was, you can tell he was, uh, he was having a moment there. I thought that was kind of sick. Yeah. In your hometown, miles from where he grew up skating. Like that's, that's a hard body feeling. And he was like, I think he, he, he knew. I think there, was, there must have been something in there um, that he knew in his head. was like, I got to go in there. I got to win this. Yeah, he had the most at stake. So I missed the men's for all but like a couple dudes really bailing tricks to the extent that I couldn't tell what they were trying. It was like one try, another try, and it was over. And then they didn't even really do any replays. That said, like, what, what did you think was the best event and what was most representative of what we at least think of as good skating? The best competition or like the the skater who did the best trick? I guess the best like package, the best competition. Long silence. Women's street. Yeah, the women's street, just the way it went down and everything. Yeah, I'll agree with that because Alexis was there. Yeah. yeah. It was like, it was like, it was a bit like, you know, like saying like, yeah, you got the juice now. That felt good to watch. It was something to be proud of. It was fun. It was enjoyable. And... I don't know. Like, I, I know that there's a contingent in skateboarding and skate culture that is very, very sort of like angry, hyper-masculine, whatever, whatever. And like to those guys, I'm just like, go watch baseball. Speaking of anger, <laughs> it was straight up funny how mad people got over every little aspect of the Olympic skateboarding coverage, the experience, whatever. Like, full stop. It was funny. You mean you like mean on skaters social or, or like civilians? I, I, well, yeah, mostly the skaters. And it was on, you know, I'm just looking at Twitter. I, I was traveling a little bit the past week, so it wasn't on as much as I could have. But, you know, I think for the exclaimed, we don't care about the Olympics and, you know, scrutinizing the fact that, like, Alexis didn't get as many points for a kickflip frontside 50-50. She didn't get both trucks on, guys, uh, as the kickflip backside 50 50 it, it, it was a funny amount of scrutinization and just like people got mad I, I, it struck me as why y'all so mad like in picture me rolling y'all mad like <laughs> or like jada kiss oh. what you so mad at now <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah I, I, mean, I have no further point i i didn't expect it and or everybody said they didn't care that much so if you're not going to care you'd better care about not caring 
they cared. They cared because uh, this is more people paying attention to skateboarding than any moment in history. Yes. And we won't feel the effects for quite some time, but I think it's going to be a watershed moment. And we could probably dedicate a whole episode to talk about what kind of effects this is going to have on the skateboard industry, but it's going to be tumultuous and weird times. And I think a lot of people have invested, you know, cause skateboarding is very much, it, it's fueled by the, the grassroots and people have a, you know, some people feel like they, they have a, they're entitled to an opinion because like I spent all this money in the skate shops. I bought all these boards, like skateboarding belongs to me, belongs to us, but really, you know, <laughs> Skateboarding is gonna, you know, skateboarding has, has changed so much. I mean, like, look at skating in the late 80s, early 90s, like the big, uh, like, big contest sponsored by Swatch. You know, I'm sure when those guys were, you know, when that generation of vert skaters was getting huge checks and living in, uh, you know, WC Fields' house, was it Hosoi, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I bet you they thought, like, this is the apex. Skateboarding cannot get bigger than this. Or let's get skateboarding bigger because I want to live in a bigger house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's that? Uh, what's that? Jake Phelps quote. It's something like skateboarding doesn't know you shit except for a wheel bite in the rain, or something like that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> I have to look that up, but I, I think it's something like that. And the Olympics is proof, and it's not going to have any effect on DIYs. It's not going to have an effect on just that amazing feeling of just grabbing your board, throwing it to the ground, and just like pushing around your neighborhood, pushing down a street. That's never going to go away, but. It's probably worth noting, like, there's probably sort of like, um, for some people who have invested a lot in this, like, they probably feel like there's like a loss of innocence. Like, there's going to be skaters who, skaters who never understand that feeling, whose whole being is going to be about competition, who are never going to just enjoy riding a skateboard with their friends. Because, like, that's really, that's a big reason why a lot of us got into this. I still think, like, those contests that we watched were pretty good representations of people out skating with their friends, maybe yeah. some insane stakes, but you know, it didn't look that unlike a contest that might've been fun to skate in. Right. Those old contests were at skate parks that looked like our skate parks. They were like shitty warehouses in some bad neighborhoods or whatever. But now it's, yeah, it's a different thing on the Olympic stage. How many people were actually relieved? They didn't make the cut to the final. <laughs> rude. I bet rude. I bet rune was like, all right, it wasn't going to happen anyways, but phew, glad I don't have to. I wonder. Rune back in the day. I wonder, because, like, you know, I said something similar to my wife, and she was like, no way, like, these guys want to win, you know? They are competitive people. Like, competitive people are not relieved that they don't have to skate the finals. They're fucking bummed. So I, I, I think know, everybody though. who didn't make it was probably bummed. Maybe some of the ladies were, like, you know, fine with it, but I, I think all the dudes were, like, probably disappointed there there was a new york times write-up that quoted Corey juno um bronze medalist in the bowl can we just call it a bowl that's not a park but uh you know the dude basically said like i wasn't actually good enough to win this but i kind of pulled it out of my ass and i and i got a bronze medal i mean you know it it that's what it is and i think that's part of the beauty of skateboard contests is you know, most people just aren't going to win it. It's for three or four people. You're happy if you get seventh or whatever. Yeah. It's fun. Right. People miss tricks, you know? But, you know, like the, the other part of it that, that's going to be weird going forward is, you know, for example, the, 
you know, the head of, uh, or excuse me, the CEO of skateboarding Great Britain, you know, he has this quote that says, I'm not a skateboarder. There's no way I'm going to get on a skateboard. I'm way too old. Give me a set of golf clubs and I'm happy. <laughs> and so like, how is skateboarding going to reckon with the fact that the only people uh, who can afford to be the CEOs of an sp international sporting body are basically middle-class tossers, wankers, you know, to use yeah, uh, the yeah, that was weird. Like at some point, like during the medal ceremony, they would show like some suit, or, you know what I mean? And, and, and it's and, and it's like, oh, this is uh, thus and such. He's like the international CEO of uh, World Skateboard. And it's like, what? Who? Like, yeah. Like, how did that work? You, you know what I mean? That's what we were talking about before about the whole behind the scenes machinery of like world rankings being like totally uh, opaque. Something we talk about ad infinitum on this web on this web page. On this webcast, this web on this radio podcast, show. yeah, web radio show about every you know about the industry being opaque or whatever. Yeah, who are these suits or whatever? It's like that's a, that's a really weird part about the whole. I mean, it's it's the same for most of these. I mean, like, how did Qatar end up hosting? How did Qatar win the bid to host the twenty twenty two World Cup? Right? It's it's bribery. It's thievery. It's corruption. Like, there's no transparency into who any of these dubious men are. Well, and to, you know, take it away from corruption and bribery, but who was Fausto Vitello? Who was Larry Balma? You know, the guys who started the two, yeah, the two most important skateboard magazines there ever were. I, I, I'm not happy that there has always been just like people that were willing to, you know, maybe innovate a little bit within skateboarding, but they weren't skaters. Not, not saying either that it's fine that it is what it is. Um, you you get into murky waters when you get into kind of the sportocracy, yeah. Olympic sports. However, Steve Steve, Steve Rocco, hundred percent skater. Oh yeah, oh, oh yeah. Steve uh, Steve Rocco, actually, you know what? USA would have won if we had Steve Rocco. Steve Rocco, head of USA Skateboarding. Oh my God. Oh yeah. <laughs> would have been more interesting. That's for yeah. Sure. It's like uh, if you land this kickflip McTwist, I'll buy you a Corvette. <laughs> 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 It would, it would totally work yeah. too. Like, I'm sure like whoever rocking. whoever got that offer would have been <laughs> super stoked. Which brings us to the end of our show, where we talk about what we're stoked on. Mike, what are you stoked on this week? What am I stoked on? So I've been stoked on some pretty geriatric ass shit before, and this week is no different. I am stoked on compression socks. Which, if you ever have leg pains, like I've had a bad Achilles for what year is it? Uh, 13 years, I get shin splints every now and then. So I bought compression socks, like running compression socks back, I don't know, seven years ago. It was, it was a lot of money to spend back in the day. Compression socks are great if your legs hurt. I say buy them if you're old. I'm wearing them right now. Had a little knee thing I did swimming. We're clearing it up finally a month later. Um, also stoked on, I was just uh, on a little vacation with my family on the west coast got to swim in the ocean up in northern california i didn't really go in the ocean it was mad cold actually but uh me and my kid played at the beach for a couple of days it was cold it was misty it was sunny at one point it was awesome so i'm stoked on going to the beach in california jason what are you stoked on well first of all are those like the nike elite basketball socks I went to Something a running like shop, so I have oh, right, like, yeah. no-name ones that are knee-high and just, like, they're a bitch to take off. They're a bitch, God, bitch yeah. to put on. Like, they're awesome when you wear them. Yeah. The, the Nike Elite 
basketball socks have like extra padding for your Achilles. So that those mm. are good. If that, that part of your uh, anatomy gives you problems. Anyway, uh, I was stoked to see a lot of venture trucks in the, both the men's and women's street competitions in the Olympics. Not so much in the bowl, but that's that's okay. We're working on it. You know what I mean? So, yeah, stoked on venture trucks, um, you know, having a high profile this week. Also stoked on a local New York vid called Burt's Vid 2 that was uh, showcased on Quarter Snacks this week. Some of the best music supervision I've heard in a while. It's all like 80s. So as an 80s kid, like I fucking loved it. Has the usual like bronze affiliates, you know what I mean? Those uh probably bronze Paul Young affiliates or associate people. So check that out if you're into that scene. Also stoked on a television show called Power Book Book Three: Raising Canaan. I watched a couple episodes of Power before. It's like if you're not familiar with it, it's like this Fifty Cent helmed, I guess, show about like drug dealing and whatnot. And this is like a prequel to the main part that's set in the early 90s. So it has all the early 90s uh, accoutrements, which I was psyched on. Even has like a subplot with like some low-life kids who boost polo. So I was pretty psyched on that part. So if you're into that type of shit, um, yeah, definitely check that out. And uh, Patrick, what are you stoked on this week? Stoked on a lot this week. Uh, Stoked on Spitfire Wheels. Uh, Shout out to Jim T and Ashley at Deluxe. I got some Spitfire uh turntable mats i cannot wait to get back to djing i was in the bay area this weekend had a little family mini family reunion i got a big family so went up to see my auntie in richmond back on swimming laps uh i loved that uh that clip from new zealand's uh, che ataria that started circulating on twitter where he talks about the double triple single (laughs) um and speaking of twitter i am stoked that we all got to live tweet skateboarding being in the olympics uh, shout out to Skate Twitter. It was great fun. It was really, really, it was, people had some real jokes. It's a shame that this stuff is not archived. And finally, stoked on that versus from earlier this week, Locks versus Dipset. Somebody called somebody call the police because Jadakiss bodied Dipset pretty much on his own. Never mind Styles P or Sheik Luch from, from the other dudes in the, in the Locks. But it was great. It's definitely worth your time. Templeton, what are you stoked on? I am stoked on revisiting a blog that I used to follow back in the day. It's called Wary Myers. Uh, you might know them for their like fancy soap and um, candles that they make now. But long before they did that, they like interior designers or something. Uh, and they just have this blog with like lots of cool like 70s design ephemera. And over the past couple of weeks, I've just looked at every single page and... Um, felt inspired and just enjoyed some internet wandering which i used to do a lot of and i do almost none of now uh, and on that blog it led me to a um, an old nike running poster from 1978 it's called battle of atlanta and uh it's a pretty epic image and then it's got like a really cool story behind it so um yeah i'll link to that in the show notes so you can check it out and um yeah i'm stoked on it that's it for our show this week. Be sure to check out mostlyskateboarding.net for links to the things that we talked about and other show notes. Until next time, you can keep up with us all week online. Jason, where can the people find you? On the Twitter at Carbonite1994, on Instagram at FrozenCarbonite, and writing stuff for quartersnacks.com. Patrick, where can the people find you? 
Y'all can find me on Twitter at Colonel K Speaks or on Instagram at Pikagongo. I'm not even going to mention Clubhouse because who cares? <laughs> is Clubhouse is, is is Clubhouse dead? Is it still even a thing? Like, I mean, I don't let's even know, see, dude. let's see what happens with Delta variant because we very well could find ourselves <laughs> back at home sooner rather than later. Hey, Wear your masks, people. Get your shit together. <laughs> uh, Mike, where can the people find you? I'm on Clubhouse at M Munzenrider. <laughs> Same handle on Twitter and Instagram. I think that's my clubhouse. I've never actually gotten on. I think I got that far on Clubhouse. Templeton, where are you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mostly Skate and on Instagram at Mostly Skateboarding. I'll see you guys next week. Later. Be safe. Almost heaven, West Virginia, Blue Ridge Mountains, Shenandoah River. Life is older, older than the trees, younger than the mountains, growing like a breeze. Country roads take me home to the place I belong, West Virginia. Yesterday, country road.